The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. Today we continue in the series on Revelation preached by Elder Buddy Abernathy here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church. Today is the 28th installment of this series and is the second half of the second sermon preached by Brother Buddy from Revelation 3 regarding the letter to the church at Laodicea. You may recall that the Laodiceans had become lukewarm. They were neither cold nor hot, and God said he would spew them out of his mouth. Brother Buddy continues today in his analysis of what lukewarmness means and how we can avoid it, both as individuals and as a church. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
The words of the Lord are pure words. So that's what he means. If a church has become worldly, if you in your individual life have become worldly, the way to get back on track is to value the word of God by the word of God, by gold that thou mayest be rich. And riches are something of great value. And as far as your life is concerned and the way you live it and harmony in the home and harmony in the church and not being overwhelmed by conflicts at the office, the way to deal with all of those things is to value and obey the Word of God. Because it's like gold tried in a fire. Jesus says, I counsel you to buy this gold. And then he says, and wiped raiment. You remember at the end of verse 17, he said they were poor. And then he used the word gold to explain what he meant when he said they were poor. They were poor in terms of scriptural knowledge. He also says in verse 17, they are naked. And that's what he's talking about now. He says, I want you to buy gold, and I also want you to buy white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Now obviously this is not to be understood in a literal sense. He's not talking about physical clothing. So what does it mean in a spiritual sense? The key to understanding this is that he was referring to white raiment. Turn over to Revelation chapter 7. And there's a lot of places we could see this described. But this is about as clear as any I can think of. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 and 10. uh, John's receiving these visions. And he says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now based on our doctrine, I don't think you have any problem interpreting that. Here's a picture of God's elect from all over the world in heaven worshiping the Lamb of God. And he says here they're clothed with white robes. Verse 10, and cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. These white robes are indicative of of their righteousness in Christ. This is not speaking of their self-righteousness. Wearing these white robes, and I'm going to show you how this applies in a practical sense as Jesus used it in counseling the church, but these white robes are giving us the idea that in heaven we're going to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. He says in verse 13, watch this, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
Now this is not speaking of actions taken to be saved. This is strictly a word picture. He's speaking strictly of their experience in the gospel and in knowing the truth. And now it's fully realized in heaven that they've washed their robes. Or rather, they have wa- yeah, they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Is that your case? Is that your sense of being right with God? That my robe, I've washed it in the blood of the Lamb. And you see the point I'm making, this is not a, this is not a doctrinal treatise of salvation by grace. This is experience. Hopefully when you were baptized, baptism is, is you saying, I believe Jesus died for my sins and was rose again for my justification. You could also look at it this way when you come forward in recognition that you're a sinner that needs a Savior. You could also think of it that way, that I'm washing my robe in the blood of the Lamb as far as my experience is concerned. But notice this. This is not directly related to what we're preaching But notice it says, these are they which came out of great tribulation. You know, they tell us there's going to be the great tribulation, there's going to be the rapture, there's going to be the millennial reign. Well, evidently the tribulation was already started in the first century. And you know when the tribulation is coming for you? Right now. Your life is tribulation. And I'm not, I am not getting on to you young people. That's not the point. But the older you get, the more you'll realize this life is tribulation. When you begin, when your body, you know, we're all dying. One of the hymns says, the moment when our lives begin, we all begin to die. You may not think of it that strongly, but you know, I don't know what we would say the age is, but you reach an age in life where generally speaking, you're not getting stronger and healthier. I mean, think about sports competition. You don't see 50-year-old men playing professional football. You know, there's, there's a couple of them that are in their maybe very early 40s, but they're the quarterback and everybody protects him because if he gets hit hard, that might be it. But you don't have to be that old till you're going downhill. And the older you get, physically speaking, the more it is that you go through tribulation, but you can be a very young person. And I had this in my life some, and it's plagued me many times in my life. You can have emotional struggles. You can have all kinds of struggles as a young person. And you can say, this life is tribulation. And matter of fact, one of the New Testament writers said, in the world, 
ye shall have tribulation. And I like what one preacher said. He said that shall's just as strong as Matthew 121 where it says he shall save his people from their sins. I don't like it being that strong, but that's the way it is. In this broken, sin-cursed world, you shall have tribulation. It doesn't mean you're going to have a lot or just a little. But you're going to have tribulation. So Jesus says to this worldly, lukewarm church, you need to be clothed or you need to buy white raiment. What's the idea there? Well, he's saying you need a renewed realization of what your real hope is anchored in. You see, the gold's the Word of God, and as you read the Word of God and as you pray for insight, the Word of God doesn't elevate man. It elevates God. And you think of your experience in the church that when it's your central thought is I'm either saved by grace or not saved at all. That my, my whole hope, which is an anchor for the soul, is that Jesus Christ is my righteousness. As long as you have that renewed zeal and you don't let that grow cold, you will be different from the world because I assure you, the world doesn't feel their need of the righteousness of Christ. Now he mentions one other one. He says, And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. You know, it's interesting that the Bible is both doctrinal. Now I know the word doctrine means teaching in general, but we often look at it, at least among the old Baptists, as referring to fundamental teachings. And it's interesting, and Paul especially wrote this way, that you'll have doctrinal fundamental truths followed by practical application. You're saved by grace, and that ought to provoke you unto love and good works. And notice here what he says. He says, I want you to have the gold of the Word of God. I want you to never forget where your righteousness comes from. And I want you to anoint your eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Think of how disadvantaged blind people are. Now some people are born blind. Fanny Crosby, that wrote some of the hymns in our book, said later in life, she said, I'm thankful that I was, I don't know how she worded it, but she was thankful that she was blind because she said, there's no way I could have had the experiences with the Lord that I did otherwise. And I don't know if she said this, but isn't it, a, I think she did, but isn't it a good thought? She said, the first thing I'll ever see will be my Savior. She wrote some beautiful hymns. But blindness is a big problem. Now obviously we know he's not talking about physical blindness here. 
And there, there are different kinds of blindness. You know, you can be completely blind. You can be like Elder Mike Ivey, for example. You know, you don't really realize how poor his vision is in conversation, but when he gets in the pulpit, you know, and he holds his Bible like this, you realize that one of his problems, and this is my problem with regard to vision, is nearsightedness. If I have my contacts out, I could not, I could not make out any of your faces. And I want you to see a place in the scripture where it, I believe, though it uses the word blind, is speaking of extreme nearsightedness. Now, nearsightedness is something you don't want to have when you're driving because you want to know what's coming up. And if you have, if you, if you have extreme nearsightedness, if you don't have corrective lenses, you don't need to drive because you can't see far enough down the road to anticipate what's coming up and what, what corrections or decisions you need to make now since you're traveling at a high rate of speed, what decisions you need to make now to avoid a potential problem. Are you already beginning to get the spiritual application? Now, Peter, I believe, uses it that way. 2 Peter chapter 1, he's taught them to add to their faith virtue, which is a desire for moral excellence, knowledge, which is the Word of God, patience, which, or, or temperance, which means to be controlled by the Word of God, Patience, which means to keep on keeping on in the Word of God. Godliness, which means spiritual devotion that others see. Brotherly kindness is the affection you have toward one another in the church. And charity is described in great detail in 1 Corinthians 13. And you read that, you'll see that you've got a big job in the kingdom of God. These are the things that give you eyesight. That is, if you acquire the knowledge of God's Word, if you'll study the book of Proverbs and acquire that knowledge and apply it in your life, you're going to have good eyesight. But notice what he says in verse 9 of 2 Peter 1. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. So, in my understanding, and if you see it differently, that's okay, this is not someone that is completely blind. You know, we still today use the term legally blind to describe someone that their vision is not completely gone, but it's bad enough that they have to function as a blind person would. He says these are blind and cannot see afar off. See, that, is, that describes me physically. And I know, you know, that's one of the most common vision problems. It's, a, it's one of the simplest ones to correct, too. It's to be nearsighted uh, or to be blind in this sense. He says you cannot see afar off. 
You know, think about how important that is. And many sermons could be preached on this. If you don't have the light of God's Word, you will, not, you will be deficient in being able to see the consequences of your actions, whether they be good or bad. Just take the simple lesson, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that's primarily addressed to fathers. But yet sometimes husbands say, well, I'm the breadwinner and I'm going to delegate that to my wife. And then when there begins to be problems in the home regarding the structure of authority and regarding who's who, that's something that if you had the inside of God's Word that I just referenced, you would have vision that goes further down the road, you see. You could anticipate the consequences. You could say, well, if I don't do it this way, here's what's going to happen. And isn't it far better to, to have good eyesight or good glasses than to go around having wrecks all the time? And a lot of people are having spiritual wrecks all the time. He's blind and cannot see afar off. Now notice this, how this connects to so much of what we said. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. I don't mean he's saying that that's totally out of his mind. That that's a thought. You know like... You forgot where you, uh, you forgot something on your list of things to do. I don't believe that's what he's talking about. He's talking about it's no longer of any valuable influence in their life. He's forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And if you'll lay hold of that, that I've been purged from my old sins and my righteousness is Christ, and I've washed my robes in the blood of the Lamb, that is the core understanding you need to be faithful in the Lord's church. When someone joins the church, we're not looking for someone that believes they're going to be of benefit to the church. We're looking for someone that says, I have no righteousness. Y'all should not receive me as, the, as a member because I am not righteous. But I believe Jesus is my righteousness. And that's the way the other members feel. So I hope this will be of a warning to our church. I've said to you all many times, when I preach on some of these hard things, I'm not saying that this is your condition, but I believe in preventive maintenance. Amen. And it's far better to do preventive maintenance than to wait until... Things break down and then you can't do anything until you repair the problem. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com 
That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.